Hello. Hi, everybody. I don't remember how we do this. No, neither do I. Oh, my God. I'm Sarah Westcott. This is Katie Willie. <laughs> Red. The podcast where we talk about books and the cocktails that go with them. Here it is. And if you've listened to us, you know that this is our first time back in uh, about two months, I think. Right, Katie? Yes. Yes. Um, I also don't know if you know this yet, but uh, I have moved. And we thought that we were going to start uh, recording in my husband's office, but we decided that that was just too weird and it's bizarre so we're in the closet yeah we're back we're in the closet. staying in the closet it's a bigger closet there's a, more room for sarah's clothes it's a bigger closet it's only my closet which is my favorite part about it and uh we have more space to kind of move around when we want to and we're not we're not just kind of like you, you know, know what for I mean? those times when we get up and dance in yeah, the middle of our podcast yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> but uh yeah i think it, it's just either way i think it's just going to sound a little bit better in here because like I mean, you don't, you also are going to paint your rooms. So the office has nothing on the walls. There's no window treatments. It's very echoey. Very echoey. So maybe, maybe we'll see what happens next time. We can test it out. But we had talked to friends this weekend and they thought, nope, you you can't can't record in the office. You can't record. You have to be in the closet. That's because that's where we started and that's where we should be. So (laughs) here we are. Here we are. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, how was your time off, Katie? Like it was great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, mostly great. Thanksgiving happened in between. Christmas yep. happened in between. New Year's happened in between. Um, Put down my cat. Oh yeah, that yeah. was that was the yeah. shitty part. But yeah, the holidays yeah. are done. Holidays are done, which is like a <sighs> stresses. Yes. Yeah, stresses at more of a minimum now, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, how's your break been? <sighs> it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, um, stressful as well. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, so we moved. When did you end up moving? We moved um literally the week before Christmas. A week almost to the day before Christmas. Um, and that was stressful as hell. We had to find a Christmas tree so the kids didn't freak out. Uh luckily we did, and uh Christmas was saved. And we love, 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 love our house. We're so happy here. So that's because it's gorgeous. <laughs> Not you. that the one you were in previously wasn't gorgeous. No, but I know. I know. I, I was telling Luke about it. I'm like, it's just set up better yeah like, the, where the rooms are and it just flows yeah. better and yeah you're not sharing walls with anybody in your bedrooms <gasps> which is huge and makes you have no idea how happy that makes me like um just not having to hear even like the littlest thing and n- you know not bother the kids with my eh, 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 like stuff <laughs> <laughs> That's the best sound effect ever. <laughs> but well, like, Chris, you could try to make that one better, but there's no way that's yeah, happening. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But um, yeah, it's just we're very happy here. And like, I, I don't know. It's one of the we loved that house. Obviously, we lived in that house for, you know, 11 years mm-hmm. going on 12 years. And it was just time for a change for us. And I'm thinking like we made the right move yeah. for us, Literally. you know? So I'm I'm very happy. That's awesome. Um, other than that... Uh, so how many books did you read when we weren't on a time crunch deadline? <sighs> or what did you read? Or I mean, I know, I honestly think because of the moving and stuff, we I didn't actually get to read a ton. Me neither. I mean... I didn't move. <sighs> I didn't read a lot. It's one of those things where it's like, it's such a stressful time of year already, yep. where it's like, you almost can't find the time to do certain things. But I know I read a couple of books, so I am going to pull them up really quickly. Um, I know I read Blade Breaker by Victoria Aviard, which is a second in a series um, called Realm Breaker, uh, another fantasy series. I absolutely love her. I read a book called How to Date a Superhero and Not Die Trying by Christina Fernandez. Um, that was 
super fun, a little bit um too cutesy. Too cutesy in a way, but it, it was it was fun. I, I enjoyed reading it. Um I just finished reading a book called We Are Not Like Them by Christine Christine Pride. And that's one um I definitely recommend people read. Good social commentary. It's about uh two best friends, one white and one black. The white one is married to a police officer who is involved in a shooting of a young uh black teenager. And uh, then the fallout from that yeah. is um uh you know, whatever. But um, then I read one that I thought was really fucking cute. Um, I actually read this in literally just a couple hours because it's just short stories and they were all so cute and fun. I think I saw that on your... New, on, new I, Teeth. Yeah, yeah, new yeah, Teeth yeah. by Simon Rich. Um, I believe he was like an SNL writer. And um, the first story is about these pirates. And it's, all of these stories are super short, like, you know... 12 to 15 pages probably at the moment, little essay stories. Um, It it was about pirates and, you know, the whole story is them talking in pirate manner or whatever. And they come upon this ship and they get on and, you know, they do, they make everybody walk the plank. And then one day they hear, or that day after they have made all the adults walk the plank, they hear this crying and it turns out it's a little three-year-old girl. (laughs) And um, it's just a cute story. Like, yeah, it's a very cute story about how they come to, like, be better people because of this little girl. Um, Super funny, super adorable. I recommend that book as well if you're just looking for something silly to read and you know quick and easy quick and easy yep. yeah nice. yeah i like that yep what about you anything um well i finished the ink black heart which was the giant corman strike one i we've already discussed that you yeah. and i i we've talked about it on the podcast i don't really want to go into it <laughs> i felt like i was glad i was done with it um then i read cold cold bones by kathy reichs which is one of the temperance bones, yep, ones. Yep. um that was it was okay it wasn't anything ecstatically exciting um i read the school for good and evil yes, based on your recommendation yes, yes. i liked it um i think i told you that i thought it was a little the writing was a little bit like hard to follow in certain, yes. certain scenes yes. um there were some t- times when you're just like i, I can't tell which person this is happening to yeah. who's, yes yeah. yeah and then like you know like kind of important scenes seemed super rushed in three sentences and it was like wait what yes that, what? yes agreed agreed and then other things were drawn out but i did like it i'm glad i read it it's fairy tale based yeah so obviously of course i knew you would and love i'm it. sure i'll read another one um but i did get for christmas once upon a time one of the once upon a time or something like that okay i don't remember okay some fairy tale okay. series gotcha but i don't know all right um and that's what i got and then i read life of pie which we are going to talk about right now let's Weird. go to our prologue right should we yeah. do that all right let's do, let's do it <laughs> the prologue um, okay, Katie, so we read Life of Pi, like you said, uh, by Yann Martel. Um, I did take a couple of quick notes on this one for our little fast facts. Um, I don't know if you saw this anywhere, but this book was published on September 11th, 2001. Go fucking figure. Yeah. Um, I just thought that it's a Canadian publisher, so, you know, whatever. But um, I just thought that that was a, a wild thing that I read. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that was obviously set in stone. Right, right. Before that, yeah. yeah. So this book um, was actually rejected by at least five publishing houses before it landed at the Canadian um, publishing house that published it. I can't remember exactly what that was. I'm sure you just read it. Um, you would think. But yeah, I, I just yeah. opened it and looked at it. <laughs> Uh, Yann Martel said uh, this book could be summarized in three statements. Um, Quote, life is a story, unquote. And then, quote, you can choose your story, quote, unquote. And then, quote, story with God, the story with 
a story with God is the better story, unquote. Um, and obviously, we're going to talk about, I think our, 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 our conversation about this will co- probably encompass all of those mm-hmm. statements. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my little fun facts. Why don't you give us our reader rundown? This is possibly one of the shortest ones ever. After the tragic sinking of a cargo ship, one solitary lifeboat remains bobbing on the wild blue Pacific. The only survivors from the wreck are a 16-year-old boy named Pi, a hyena, a zebra with a broken leg, a female orangutan, and a 450-pound royal Bengal tiger. The scene is set for one of the most extraordinary works of fiction in recent years. That's all it's got. Um, okay. So we do have a cocktail, cocktail with it. We're so excited about the cocktail. We've been looking at it for a while because we had to make a little video really quickly. Um, what's our cocktail that we're drinking? I believe it's called Life of Pie, it right? It is called Life of Pie. So I started by looking for a turtle cocktail and then I typed in a Bengal and then I typed in tiger cocktail and then I typed in pie, not thinking that Life of Pie would actually produce a cocktail, but then it did. It did. <laughs> so it is... I wonder why. Like, I'm just so curious. It, as I don't so, know. Yeah. It's, um... A lot of things: gin, blackberry liquor, um, lemon juice, mm-hmm. club soda, yep. basil. We put grenadine in because we didn't use simple syrup, and we're supposed to garnish with a maraschino cherry. So that's our <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's our adaptation of this. Exactly. I mean, it looks really pretty. Let's let's give yep. it a taste, right? I taste a lot of grenadine in my in my sip because, but probably because my did you stir? Yeah, I didn't really stir. That's my problem. But I'm gonna stir it up one more time. It is good. It's a lot of blackberry. I mean, I like I just like drinks like this. Mm -hmm. I can't drink a lot of them, but I like it. It's refreshing. It is refreshing. It reminds me of. We have had one very similar to this, and I can't remember. It was another one with seltzer water in it. Or, um, Probably also with bl- the blackberry liquor, because I yeah. think I have it because of whatever cocktail yeah, we that made makes previously. Sense. It, so it reminds me of something. I just can't um, figure, figure out what it is. But um, anyway, that that's it, right? Yeah. Okay. You ready to go to the story? Let's go to the story. Okay. <laughs> the story! Um, okay, so... This is this is an interesting one. Um, wh- what did you think? Like, how did you find this book, Katie? Did you like it? Did you enjoy this read? I did like it. Um, I did like it a lot. I am. It's one of those books, and I think I mentioned this when we were talking about um, the not the Midnight Library, the reading list, mm-hmm. which is why we actually added this book because um, it was one of the books in there. Yep. But this has been on my radar of a book to read. Probably since right when it first came out, because I was working at the bookstore at Santa at the time, okay. and I'm sure it was one of the ones that came in, and I was like, a tiger on a boat with a guy? Like, yeah. what? Yeah, that's interesting. So it's always been there, but it's never... I've always had my own preconceived notions that it's a made-up tiger mm-hmm. or something, yep. or, you know, it's not a real story because there's no fucking way a guy can live on a boat. With a tiger. With a tiger. Yeah. Like a real like, It didn't make tiger. sense to me. Yes. Um, so it never made it to the top until we read the reading list and we put it on our list and now I've read it. I like the fact that I read it. I'm happy I read it. I enjoyed reading it. What did you think? Um, I think I have pretty much the same the same thoughts of you as you. I, I This didn't cross my radar until the movie came out. Um, I can't remember exactly when that was. I want to say like... 2010-ish, 2011, somewhere around there, like, you know, maybe 10 10, 10 or so years years ago. Um, And it still was like, I guess, 
looked like a cool movie, but I didn't realize that it was... Uh, I forgot uh, there was a movie. Yes, yeah. And at some point, I would like to watch it, mm-hmm. but um, to see how it plays out on the screen rather than, you know, yeah. how I saw it. But um, I-, I enjoyed the book. You and I had a, a brief text exchange about the first part of the book because it's very religion-heavy. And you know me, like, as almost as soon as I start getting into, like, religion-type stuff, I'm like, this... It's a slog for me. It's just like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. it I don't relate to it. So um, the first part was a slog. But as soon as you get to part two, when they're on the boat and the things, you know, the um, uh, he talks about how the boat sunk and everything. Um, sank? Sunk? Is it sunk? I think it's sunk. <laughs> it's sinked. <laughs> um, that's when it really started to kick into high gear for me. And I actually really enjoyed the story itself mm-hmm. um i i like you said i am happy that i read it and and checked it off of my list because it's one of those ones i wouldn't have picked up otherwise yeah. honestly um so in that sense i thought it was it was good um when we get to the end we can talk more about that but um i'm not sure yet how i how i feel about the end i think it depressed me a lot yeah the ending it depressed me a lot and i was actually in a way, I was actually glad that, you know, we didn't hear that whole story until the end. Yeah. Because I think it would have been a much harder and different read. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, before we get too far into actually discussing the book itself, I have to tell you, I got a used copy and I had, I opened it and I just, I, for some reason, I love random things like a post-it in the front that says, Jurgenbolt 49-619-6773-9740. And if I really put a lot of effort into it, I would probably Google it and figure out, like, if that is a phone number for some country it, where it Jurgen, be, yeah. Jurgenbolt would live. But I just... That sounds almost German. Tur- or Swedish or, yeah, or something like that. Something. I don't know. Yeah. But I loved the fact that it was there. And it just... That does sound like a, I mean, certainly not an American telephone number, but it does sound like a telephone right? number, honestly. And so. it's kind of spaced out, so it's two digits and then... Three digits and then four and then four. But I don't Interesting. know. I don't know. I just I was like, oh, there's like a secret note in here. I love that. I mean, mine, mine is also. Maybe it's a direct line to pie. <laughs> oh, that would be. be crazy. It could be. Um, mine is also a used copy. I got it from that um, website that you told the me Pango about, the Pango one. Books. Yeah. And um, I didn't find anything in it other than like maybe uh, like a like a Cheeto stain. Nice. That's, it. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, I can appreciate a Cheeto stain. I just like I feel like you always find these amazing things in your in your used books. I don't always, but I well, I recommended that website because the one book that I bought from there, I don't remember which one it was. Might have been Daisy Darker. Mm-hmm. That came with like a bunch of stickers and a thank you card for buying this, yeah. and I was like, this is so adorable. I had that too. I got um. Uh, the one we're gonna do, the Midnight Cafe, mm-hmm. the whatever. Yeah. Um, I got the the, oh, the woman who sold it sent me a candle. Um, that smelled like a like a tree, like a Christmas tree, and um stickers, which I loved. So I put I put the stickers on my little vanity thing. Um, and then she had a card with her Goodreads information and her Twitter and everything. So I started following her. I'm oh, like, that's oh, so fun. Yeah, yeah see, exactly. Like it's. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it, it was just cool. it was really cool thing to do, and I was like, oh shit, maybe I should start selling my used books, but um, and doing that kind of thing for people. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It's hard for me to want to part with 
books yep, when I have them. So, so I, I don't know. It's tough. My my boss, actually, I know we're getting like in the weeds on other stuff, but um, my boss will often give me books to read. And I always ask her, you know, do you have a time frame for wanting these back? And she says, don't want it back. Just, you know, yeah, no, pass, pass it, it on. on. And, and I'm just like, ah, I get anxiety about that. Yep. Like when I give somebody a book, I'm like, I, hey. I, I have like a <laughs> mental inventory of who has what books. And I, I if I'd spend oh like God. a while, I'm like, hey, have you gotten around to reading that book? Because yeah. I want it back. Yeah, that's. I want it back. But mostly I want it back so I can pass it on to somebody else. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And that and that like makes a lot of sense to me. I, I love giving out books, but I always kind of want it back in yes. my hand at some point. Yes. I have I know I have a book missing right now that kind of pisses me off. Um, I think it's something blue by Emily Giffen. That's one of those things like Jess, is that on your bookshelf? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't think it's Jess. Um, and then uh, back in college, and this is not a book. This is actually a DVD. But back in college, I had bought the movie Win a Date with Tad Hamilton on DVD. <laughs> and uh, I think I was a sophomore in college. So, you know, I was living in a suite with uh, five other girls. And one of the girls s- gave the movies for to one of her her, her friends to watch. Never saw that movie again. And it was a favorite of mine. I loved it when a date with Tad Hamilton. And I was, like, really fucking pissed about it for a long time. And it still kind of gets me. I'm not going to lie. I have something very similar in my history. I had a whole bunch of movies that I let a friend borrow. Mm-hmm. Um, she was going to be... I don't remember if she was sick or she was going to be... Maybe she was on maternity leave or something. I just gave her, like, a whole handful of them. And then I asked her for them back. And she said that she didn't have them anymore. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? It was, like... Moulin Rouge and 10 Things I Hate About You, like all of my favorites. Yeah. And I ended up buying them all again because obviously I watch DVDs all the time. Right, right. So I needed them in my possession. Yeah, yeah. That was... It's just frustrating when you like lend something to somebody um, anyway. Yep. Um, So back to this book. Yes, for sure. Um, One of the first things I have flagged is on page nine. Um, he's going into discussion about his name and how he was named and how he's got those two guys. They both have the same last name. And then this guy, Mamaji, um, who's really teaching him how to swim. Um, Mamaji had to wait until I came into the picture to find a willing disciple. The day I came of swimming age, which to mother's distress, Mamaji claimed was seven, he brought me down to the beach, spread his arms seaward and said, this is my gift to you. And then he nearly drowned, you claimed, Mother. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was hilarious. And then it goes down a little bit further and says, I must have looked like a child throwing a... P- uh, nope. I'll just read the whole part. <laughs> I remained faithful to, to my aquatic guru. Under his watchful eye, I lay on the beach and fluttered my legs and scratched away at the sand with my hands, turning my head at every stroke to breathe. I must have looked like a child throwing a peculiar slow-motion tantrum. In the water, as he held me at the surface, I tried my best to swim. It was much more difficult than on land. <laughs> and I was like... I, <laughs> Like, go figure. Yeah. I thought like that and that kind of is the perfect example. Like I thought that Pi had just like a remarkable sense of humor. Yes. And like the way it was narrated and his yes. his own little side inputs. And there's a couple of times where he's telling you part of the story, but then he kind of drops in part of the ending in it. Yeah. Like it's not very far into the book where he tells you that he was stranded for 227 days. Yes. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Wait, is that real or is yes. he just no, he's just throwing that in. Yeah, because then he goes back and he's like only a couple weeks in and whatever. Yeah. Um I remember first reading the 227 days and I can tell you exactly when it was. Um do do do, let me see. Uh it wasn't until pa- it was actually page 189 that he mentioned the days because he's talking about um 
Oh, uh, so it is far. Yeah, it's a, it's a little it's a little far, far back, but it's still kind of like, um, you know, in. Oh, in yeah, the look at that. pretty Page much beginning look, yes yeah you flagged it <laughs> so he i just thought that this was crazy um the robertson family survived 38 days at sea captain Bly of the celebrated mutinous bounty and his fellow castaways survived 47 days steve callahan survived 76 owen chase whose account of the sinking of the whaling ship essex by a whale inspired herman melville survived 83 days at sea with two mates interrupted by a one-week stay on an inhospitable island the bailey family survived 118 days i have heard of a korean merchant sailor named poon i believe which <laughs> um, who survived the Pacific for 173 days in the 1950s. Then it's a new paragraph, and he says, I survived 227 days. That's how long my trial lasted, over seven months. I fucking, like, my jaw fucking dropped. Yep. Because I was just like, I can't even imagine. That's nearly a fucking year of being stranded in the middle of the ocean with nothing around you but blue just yep. blue and like terror. You know what yeah. I mean? I just, I can't even imagine that. Like the ocean scares me when I'm sitting on land, just looking at it. I don't even go into the ocean. When we go to the beach with, you know, my, my husband takes the kids in. I refuse to take a step in. I'm, you don't even put like your ankles in, knees in. Nothing. I mean, I'll go to the edge and I'll, I'll like walk in the very little, you know, but I will not go any further than that. Okay. I just, it's very scary. It's a scary place to me. I don't like it. I don't like the feeling of, not knowing what's under that water. I completely agree with that. And for the vast majority of my life, I've hated the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, I have in probably the last, like, s- however many, six years, seven, eight years, I will go into, like, my waist and then I'll, like, sit float so that, like, <laughs> when the really big waves come, I go up. Yeah. And then when they go away, my butt almost hits the ground. And, like, that's <laughs> as far out as I'm going to go because... Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like any of the things in the ocean. No, I'm, I'm not feeling it. And like my mom had told me a story when she was a kid that she got pulled out by an undertow, and I think that really stuck with me. Yeah, I was just I'm like, sure. "What's that?" And I'm, you know, she's like, "Oh, it's a little under, like whirlpool and like but underneath the friggin' yeah. water." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not interested in I that. Need to experience that. Nope, I'm good. So no thanks." Um, but yeah, I when I when I first read that 227 days, like my my jaw just kind of hit the floor. I was like, "What?" Like. I can't even imagine it. Nope. I cannot. I can't imagine being stuck anywhere, anywhere for yeah. 227 days, let alone floating. Like imagine without, just without water, like without this. food. Yeah, side, yeah. And having to side, like, it, I mean, it's amazing to me that he even had. I know that they had some like stores in in the little mm-hmm. raft, you know, whatever. Um, they had way more than I expected. It when did he have listed way more than out expected. the inventory of what he had. I it was just like, oh, that's but a really prepared not life. Two hundred twenty-seven days worth no. of shit. You know no. what I mean? Like, it's just insane to me. And like hearing him him talk about how like emaciated he was, and then how emaciated the tiger was until they found that uh, island or whatever. You know, was just like really hard to read yeah it's just it's just because it's harrowing it's it's awful but um i don't know i want to talk a little bit about the tiger because um first of all his name richard parker like was really funny and the way that he got the name like just, <laughs> just because it was a mistake up, a, yep. mix, a mix up of who caught the tiger yeah. um i think it's important obviously to know for people who are listening and haven't read the book that um you know the reason why this tiger is on was even on this, you know, rafter in the first place is because they owned a zoo and they were moving to Canada and they were 
bringing some of the animals to Canada with them to, or in America to yeah. like, you know, to go off into these Essentially other Essentially to all of North America. They yeah. They're selling off their animals. Yeah. And then something happens on the ship that we have, we can't, we never figure out what it was, nope. basically. Um, Pi hears something explode at night and um, he wakes up. But the rest of his family doesn't hear it, and he tries to wake his brother. He tries to wake up, his and brother. He's just like, leave me the fuck alone. Go yeah, away. basically. I mean, uh, who hasn't no, been it's there? In the middle of the night. Who you hasn't the been there? Like, yeah, me. dude, I don't care what you heard. Yeah. I'm sorry, I did not hear it. I'm going back to bed. Um, usually that's me telling somebody like, yeah. I just heard something. Wake up, please. Oh, see, no, <laughs> I'm a very light sleeper, so I hear like literally. Everything. I'll hear the sounds, and then I'll get up and be like, I wonder what that was. Mm. Where can I find it? No, I'm typically like, uh, someone's in our house about to murder us all. <laughs> I think that all the time, too. But that's probably because of what yeah. we read. Yeah. Uh, no, 100% is what we read. And what we, read, listen, what we listen to. to yeah. what we watch. Yeah, it's it's all of those things. Um, but I liked the... I, I I don't... I didn't, like, mark any of these pages. I kind of just wrote, wrote down certain things. But, like, I like when he's talking about... I, I like the um, the chaos of when he's going like he's on the raft and he's trying to he says oh richard parker and then you're kind of like richard parker who's richard parker so okay i'm glad you said that because i i must have not uh, it's entirely possible that i was sitting drinking beer reading the first part of the book (laughs) and um didn't remember who richard parker was but Mm -hmm. i remembered the name and then when he gets back to the fact that it's the tiger and he goes through the whole story i was just like all right it's the tiger fuck the tigers on the boat like yeah i mean obviously yeah. i knew the tigers on the boat it's on the freaking cover of the book but it yes yeah it, it's it was kind of funny to see how it happened though like how he's like trying to save the tiger and then, and then he's, he's like, like oh wait shit. why am i trying to save a fucking tiger yes, like <laughs> i can't have a tiger on this life raft with me it's a fucking tiger yeah. and we had already seen the fact that he is well aware of how this very gig- large animal um, when it's hungry, reacts to certain yep. things because his father brought him and his brother in and said, this is why you don't put your hands in, you in know, with in, in with the tiger because this is what could happen. Yeah. And it just demolishes a goat or whatever yeah. it was. Um, Didn't he say he starved him for three days? Yes, he starved him for three days. And like, imagine 227 yeah, no. days. No. You know what I mean? Nope. <laughs> like, um, so I feel like we're going to jump around on this one a lot only because it's, it's, you know, it's not really, it's hard to tell it in a, or talk about it in a linear fashion. Yeah. Cause I mean, a lot of his stories weren't linear either. Um, I do have a part, so it, you know, he gets thrown into this lifeboat and then the zebra jumps into the lifeboat as it's going down or, mm-hmm. or, uh, at, when it's all the way down from the sinking boat yeah. and breaks its leg. Yeah. And like, I wanted to cry at that part because I'm yeah, like, me too. Mm-hmm. And just the, the just, just the, the eyes and, and like, like yeah. Just, oh, yeah. The, yeah. So then eventually you find out, um, nope, the orangutan comes after. So then there's a tiger. He knew the tiger was on there because he had pulled him on and the zebra is there. And he's at the bottom of page uh, 109. Um, the reason behind its spared life was revealed shortly. I'm talking about the zebra. It froze my blood and then brought a slight measure of relief. A head appeared beyond the end of the tarpaulin. Oh, side note. I had a really hard time picturing the what the tarpaulin, like all the description of the lifeboat and how he could think that the tiger wasn't on the boat because it's a fucking lifeboat that's only like 20 feet but long. But it was hidden underneath the tarp that was covering. Right. And I had a hard time. Yeah. It took me like... It was kind of like... It took me like three quarters of the book I, to really fully visualize yeah okay so that's where the tiger is because then there's times where he's talking he's about being on top of the tarpaulin but i'm yeah. like so you're basically just like hovering you're over on top the tiger. of the tiger yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. 
It looked at me in a direct, back to the book. It looked at me in a direct, frightened way, ducked under, appeared again, ducked under again, appeared once more, disappeared a last time. It was the bear-like, balding-looking head of a spotted hyena. Our zoo had a clan of six, two dominant females and four subordinate males. They were supposed to be going to Minnesota. The one here was a male. I recognized it by its right ear, which was badly torn, its heel jagged edge testimony to old violence. Now I understood why Richard Parker had not killed the zebra. Oh, sh- <laughs> close the book oh, Katie closed the book and cannot find where she was no longer aboard let me go back and finish that now I understood why Richard Parker had not killed the zebra he was no longer aboard there couldn't be both a hyena and a tiger in such a small space he must have fallen off the tarpaulin and drowned and I, I flagged it because I was just like I know the tiger's still there right but that was my biggest thing is like how do you not realize that the tiger's still there? Like a 450 pound thing in a 20 foot yeah. space, proportionately taken up a lot of the right, area. Right. He does. He does talk about at some point um, the like square footage of of the the raft itself, which is pretty large. Like it's right. it's pretty large. And the only like what I kept picturing when I pictured the tarpaulin was kind of like um, a uh, uh, trampoline. Like, you know, when it, because I think he even mentions that when he is kind of pushed it's overboard, yeah. it's taut and he kind of bounces on it when, yeah, okay. and then into the thing. So that's kind of what I was picturing of it. It's very taut, like a trampoline, and you could, like, you know, bounce on it or whatever. Um, I just want to, like, hang on. Um, I got very, uh, I don't know, when, when I found out that it was more animals than just a tiger, that's when I got really, like, I was very anxious because I was like, okay, well, we know that the tiger is on the boat because that's, you know, that's the whole story. But like, I didn't realize there's a hyena. How the fuck does he get like, how, how, how in the world does he stay away from a hyena? Like hyenas aren't, aren't. They're, no, they're, they're smaller and sk- yes. like scrappy. Yes, and like you know, I'm just thinking of fucking the Lion King. While yeah. you know, yeah. and the three hyenas yeah. when I when I'm and, and they're like scrappy and and kind of kind of scary and mean. And Mangly. even though they're dumb, but you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, they look nasty. They don't look cute. Mm-mm. You know, so he, um, I think he described it really well. Basically, yeah, it pretty like, much. It's every bad thing about any kind of animal. I'll just put into one. Yeah, no, agreed. <laughs> like, agreed. Leftover bad pieces or something like that. Um, let me just see where I. Let's see. Okay, so on page 143, there was just, I'm just going to pull out a couple of things that, like, I flagged personally or whatever. Um, on page 143, um, I can't remember. Of course, I didn't, like, have my pen with me, so I have no idea where all these things are. But there's one part where he says, uh, to be drunk on alcohol is disgraceful. And I just wrote, I'm feeling judged and attacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was like, you know, fuck you, pie. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I just thought that was kind of funny. But there... Like I said, there's a lot of this story that's very like, um, I think, and th- I think this is kind of where where his quote, um, Ian Martel's, uh, you know, a, a a story with God is the better story, and you can choose your own story. Um, like he's kind of choosing to make it a little more enjo- enjoyable for himself, I think, mm-hmm. by just having that kind of humor. Yeah, and um, I don't know, and I, having those positive thoughts in his, yeah. which. So going, I don't know that I could do that. No. Well, you don't have religion in your life. Right, I do not. But. So going back to the <laughs> beginning section, the whole first section, he's um, he he's essentially ends up in a town, I believe, where there's three different hills. And each hill, one's got a church, one's got a synagogue. synagogue. And then one's got... A temple, right? Is it a temple for Muslim? Is that Islam a temple? Or... I don't remember. Yeah, I feel like it's a temple, but I could be wrong about that. Me too. Yeah. But he goes to all three of them, and he realizes that he likes parts of all three of the religions, Mm -hmm. so he wants to be a practicing 
Christian, a practicing Jew, and a practicing Muslim all yeah. at the same time. And eventually, but he's Indian, so he also has Buddhist Hinduism. Hinduism. Yeah, yeah. Hinduism, like all of that in his background. Yeah. Um, and I find it absolutely fascinating the whole argument that happens essentially on the street with the leaders of all three of the religions coming at him and being like, oh, it's great to see you. And the other one's like, oh, it's great to see you. Wait, he's yours? No, he's one of mine. No, he's one of mine. And the simultaneous argument where they really all are talking about the same God Mm -hmm. and not being able to agree and almost getting, like, angry with each other is just, it's... I wrote down it's reminiscent of Christians not practicing what they proclaim to yes, follow, yes, which is a huge. Oh, well, and I think that's a, and I think that that while I was reading that, I, I wasn't totally tuned out of it because it's kind of how I feel about religion in a sense. I don't like the sense that one religion believes that it's the end all be all, and there's nothing else, and everybody should believe that one. And um, I kind of liked that about Pi, where he's so like questioning and And he's so Mm open-minded and he wants he like yeah like you said he likes certain parts of each religion and that was kind of refreshing to see like why why shouldn't there be more people who celebrate all of those religions if that's how you want to do it you know what i mean like why should you be so closed off to say no you can't follow that one you can't follow that one or you can't follow the teachings of this one like it's just all in my opinion religion try like no matter what religion it, it is um, it's all trying to do the same thing. You know what I mean? Right. So why? Right. You know, there's why? all there's all sorts of ethics and, and for lack of a better word, karma involved in all of it right. is do good and ex- and continue on in the afterlife. Exactly. Exactly. Whatever yeah. that afterlife may be, whoever's there with you. But the concept that yours is right and everybody else's is wrong. Exactly. It's like, I don't yeah. know, it's counterintuitive to what they're trying to get across right exactly and that's that's where my whole thing with it comes in um (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to find there was this quote um about zoos okay let's see uh this is it right here on page 19 he is obviously he's you know he he grew up on a zoo and he's talking about zoos and and you know how lots of people don't really care care for zoos and you know i'm so um, I don't mean to defend zoos. Close them all down if you want, and let us hope that what uh, that what wildlife remains can survive in what is left of the natural world. I know zoos are no longer in people's good graces. Religion faces the same problem. Certain illusions about freedom plague them both. Which is like, you know, going yes. back to our conversation about that. I, I really liked that conversation. I so. did actually, a lot of what he was talking about, about the zoos, and like he said, he wasn't defending zoos, but he puts it in great perspective as far as animal nature and... If they have everything that they need, right. they don't have any desire to go anyplace. And if in the wild they had everything they need with a barrier to keep those predators out, they wouldn't move either. Right. So the concept of having a 4,000 acre whatever, right. jungle, savanna, desert, it's not something that they really want to wander around and explore. And then it, he mentioned at some point, you know, think of humans. How far do you really wander? You don't. Like mm-hmm. you moved a whole, you moved your house, and how far did you move? Three miles. 
Like I moved, I moved from, I moved across the river, and Mm -hmm. it was like a huge thing to some people. Like, oh my god, it's across the river, across the river. Like it's twenty minutes from where you live. Like it's not that. Yeah, it's it's tough because I mean that's true. Like I honestly, it's one of those things where I can't even imagine moving further than I am from you know the the family that I have here Mm -hmm. and my family. Like I live forty minutes from my parents. You know what I mean? We live forty minutes from John's parents. It's just one of those things where. I have thought about it in the past, but I can't see it ever happening. Like, I don't want to be plane rides away from these people and only see them, like, once a year. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, so, I would love to go live someplace else. Sure. But not permanently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not for good. Maybe yeah. I just really want to travel more. Yeah. <laughs> you always, like, in this, you come, <laughs> you back, come back because, yeah. yeah, everything else, it's too hard. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did make a note. I wanted to make sure I said it that he pie goes for two sunsets on the boat with no mention of his own thirst or hunger. So there, he's doing all this description of you know the animals that he does have with him and the flies that are on the boat and then get eaten by the tiger. Which mm-hmm. I thought that was I just pictured my cat like chasing flies, yeah, like just yeah. like snapping at flies. Um, I, it, but it was a full two sunsets that he mentioned. Um. Where he hadn't mentioned his own thirst, he hadn't gone looking for the the the, yes. the storage locker yeah. or whatever. Yeah, because he was just kind of I, I taking it all in. Just, Plus, I'm sure there was all sorts of adrenaline going on, and I don't. Well, know. and I think there's also part of you where just like, well, I'm here, and like so far nobody has come to save me. I'm probably just going to die here anyway. And then, right. and then the fight or flight kicks in after that, and you're right. just like, I am so thirsty. I have read like so many accounts of people who have been like who have had such uh, been so thirsty that it feels like your body's on fire like you know you can't it's t- it terrifies I, it, terrifi- it terrifies me too like i get if i don't have like something to drink for like two hours I'm, my throat like starts to get itchy you know what i mean i'm like mm-hmm. i need to drink something yeah. so th- just be i didn't look this up so maybe producer chris can chime in with this but i, I know we cannot drink salt water but i don't know why we can't drink it dehydrates you salt is a dehydrate a dehydrating so even the amount of liquid doesn't Mm -mm. correspond with the amount of salt okay nope it will still dehydrate you and it's very i mean i'm not gonna say that i want to drink salt water because it just (laughs) no 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 it's it's terrible my whole life my mom's tried to get me to gargle with salt water when i have a sore throat and i'm like (laughs) yeah yeah i can't do it well that's it they used to do like i i don't know like how a long time ago when i got some or one of my piercings they used to sell salt water in like a can that you would spray you know because it has healing properties. Yeah. Like it heals very it's quickly. Yeah. Yes, but um, drinking no. Do not ever, 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 ever. I drink mean, I'm not water. really gonna yeah. try. I'm yeah. not trying to get stuck Seems on the ocean or anything like that. But yeah, I, obviously, I know that it's not. But yeah. I don't just didn't know why. Um, so I want to go to page fifty three just really quickly. Um, there's a story. This is when he starts getting. I'm gonna read a little bit because. Um, uh, I just thought that this story was, and like the the last part of it was actually really funny. Um, okay, so let's see. This is when he's going and talking to the Catholic priest. Um, he says, okay, Catholics have a reputation for severity, for judgment that comes down heavily. My experience with Father Martin was not at all like that. He was very kind. He served me tea and biscuits in a tea set that tinkled and rattled at every touch. He treated me like a grown up, and he told me a story. Or rather, since Christians are so fond of capital letters, a story. (laughs) And what a story. 
The first thing that drew me in was disbelief. What? Humanity sins, but it's God's son who pays the price. I tried to imagine Father saying to me, Piscine, um, a lion slipped into the llama pen today and killed two llamas. Yesterday, another one killed a black buck. Last week, two of them ate the camel. The week before, it was painted storks and gray herons. And who's to say for sure who snacked on our golden agouti? The situ- I hope that's how to say that. <laughs> the situation has become intolerable. Something must be done. I have decided that the only way the lions can atone for their sins is if, is if I feed you to them. Yes, Father, that would be the right and logical thing to do. Give me a moment to wash up. Hallelujah, my son. Hallelujah, Father. And then he goes, what a downright weird story. What a peculiar <laughs> psychology. <laughs> and I cracked up. I'm like, yes, it's so fucking weird. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, millions of Christians in the world yeah, are just like, like why what? like what are you thinking? why are you doing this um but I, I just I, I fuck it I loved that story because it's exactly the way that I picture it in my head like why what? that just doesn't make sense it just doesn't make sense to me um so yeah that cracked me up I think the next thing I had was a description of the tiger which kind of like it's just very again super harrowing um Oh, this was another book where I was just, I, I started off, I, I'm not kidding you, I started reading and I went, wait, I said I was going to have my notebook with me the next time I did this. Mm-hmm. So I went and I got my notebook and my pen and then I started reading and I took one note for page nine and then I took not many notes after that and then all of a sudden my next note is, what the fuck with the Alja Meerkat Island? So, oh yeah, can we talk about the Meerkat Island? Yeah, but Island? you can do the tiger first. Um, okay, so I think it was just like the description of. The, so he, you know, obviously he finds it's it's like literally halfway through the book that I'm looking at this that he finds that yes, the tiger is still on on the raft, and he's trying to explain. I think, and this is just to get across the fact that you know this is a terrifying being that he is stuck with, and just how massive this animal is. Um, let's see. Uh, I wish I could describe what happened next, not as I saw it, which I might manage, but as I felt it. I beheld Richard Parker from the angle that showed him off to greatest effect. From the back, half raised, with his head turned. The stance had something of a pose to it, as if it were an intention, as if it were an intentional, even affected display of mighty art. And what art, what might? His presence was overwhelming, yet equally evident was the lithesome grace of it. He was incredibly muscular, yet his haunches were thin and his glossy coat hung loosely on his frame. His body, bright brownish-orange, streaked with black vertical stripes. His incomparably beautiful, matched um, with a tailor's eye for harmony by his pure white chest and underside and the black rings of his long tail. His head was large and round, displaying for... Uh, middable sideburns, a stylish goatee, and some of the <laughs> finest whiskers of the cat world, thick, long, and white. Atop the head were small, expressive ears shaped like perfect arches. His carrot orange face had a broad bridge and a pink nose, and it was made up with brazen flare. Wavy dabs of black circled the face in a pattern that was striking yet subtle, for it brought less attention to itself than it did to the one part of the face left untouched by it, the bridge, whose rufous luster, rufous? Whatever. Luster shone nearly with a radiance. The patches of white above the eyes on the cheeks and around the mouth came off as finishing touches worthy of uh, a Kathakili dancer. The result was a face that looked like the wings of a butterfly and bore an expression vaguely old and Chinese. But when Richard Parker's amber eyes met mine, the stare was intense, cold and unflinching, not flighty or friendly, and spoke of self-possession on the point of exploding with rage. I'm just like, just like reading that, you're like, this is fucking terrifying it's like ex- imagine extremely easy to visualize yes too. exactly which was what i loved it so so why i loved it so much because it was like you're 
reading we, it and you're like, I'm picturing exactly We've all seen this. a tiger. We all know what a tiger looks like, yep. but we've never been so up close to it within five to two, you know, two yep. to five feet of it that we're seeing, you know, we're seeing that. But um, I, I just like, I love Pi. He's so resourceful because he builds this little raft and like throws it off the side. So he's kind of like Richard Parker has the main raft and he's attached to it, but he's got this little raft. So he's floating it's like, like a 20 feet away. Pup tent. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool. I'm just like, okay, like this is a smart, smart, smart mm-hmm. kid. You know, when what I mean? he was first building it, I was thinking that he was somehow going to trick the tiger into jumping onto it. And mm-hmm. then he was going to like let it float out and just like let him be out there. Yeah. But then he talks about the fact that tiger swim. And I was like, yeah, he's not going to do that because the tiger just come back to the boat and be like, fuck you, get off. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But like, how long would it take the tiger to get too tired to, you know, swim, be yeah. able yeah. to yeah. swim for that length? Because Again, you're not just talking about... I think he did say at one point that they could swim for several miles, right? I think five. He mentioned five for like, some reason, yeah. That's a fucking lot. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. If um, I swim across my pool, I'm tired. Or yeah. my- <laughs> You don't have pool anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> um, one of the things that I did... I, I would like to... I, I should have gone into looking at this up, but to understand what kind of research Yan Martel did when he was writing this because some of the things which he could be totally making all of it up but I have no idea um but the way he described the fact that you know the boat the lifeboat just kind of goes by itself and it's going to go with the wind or against the wind whichever one it was and against the wave or with the waves but then when the life the smaller boat is next to it it kind of throws the whole thing off yeah which is what he ends up using to essentially train Richard Parker right. with the whistle and he's, he's getting him seasick again. Um, I, I, also, I feel like it had something to do with, like, the drag of the ropes and stuff like right. that. Right, and like, just, like, yeah. the way that the actual, the combined things worked when they were next to each other mm-hmm. versus when it was just vertical, by itself, yeah, yeah, and towing yeah. it. Um, I, and I just, I, I have, like I said, I have no idea if it's valid information, but it seemed very realistic and, like, he had done some kind of research about it. I would would imagine you'd have to. Like, you you know, you can't... If you... It just doesn't make sense to me to... Yeah, it's a fiction novel, but it's not like you you do want to make it actually believable. You know what I mean? And, like, the survivor manual about the turtles and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. like, which I have a really, really big soft spot for sea turtles, so I I had a really hard time with that. But I get why he was doing it and I fully understand it but when the first sea turtle got away I was like oh maybe he's not actually going to eat sea turtles well, maybe and this, he's not gonna, oh. and this is, is this is the hard part too because I mean this Pi was a vegetarian yeah. is a vegetarian yeah. and like just like you know, we we watched Survivor, and I think it was not this past season, but the season At least before. One, if not yes, two, yeah, the vegetarian who you know, like he had to finally make a choice whether or not he's going to stick. He's going to his... stick, or he and he decided he has to eat that stuff. He yep. has to eat something because it's going to be Fuel detrimental him. to him. Yeah. And yeah, so like, I mean, and it wasn't even like fueling for pie. It was just literally living, survival. like survival. Yep. Like if he didn't eat this stuff he was going to die so um i think that's like i've never had to think about that in that way because you know of course i do eat meat you know what i mean so it's like what decision there are certain things that i'm just like no i won't i won't eat that i don't eat seafood so i had a seafood like the whole like i i have never entertained the concept of going on survivor specifically because 
They only ever eat seafood mm-hmm. and rice. And I like yeah. rice, but I'm not going to... Anyways. Well, some people do just survive on the rice. But, they do. But and they're only, they're only going yeah. for 26 days <laughs> rather than 227. True. So, yeah. But I just... I, I And I, I understand, like, you're going to get to a certain point in time where you are literally just trying to survive and you're going to do whatever it takes no matter... You're going to eat whatever the fuck you... Yeah, whatever crosses there. your plate. Yeah. yeah. I just... I think there were a lot of things that like um, I can't remember specifically off the you know off the top of my head like certain things that he ate that I was like oh, I don't know if I could ever eat that you know but like the flying fish you know it was just it was it wasn't even that it was just certain like parts of fish I think that he would talk about eating and I was just like Ugh, like the eyeballs and, and the, like yeah, drinking the, the bone liquid, marrow yeah. I'm just like oh it's making me like it's making me queasy just thinking about mm-hmm. it and like clearly i've never been in that position where i'd have to choose that kind of thing but i'm like would i just let myself die probably not no. of course not <laughs> but but <laughs> would i rather <laughs> <laughs> so and i think that's where to me i think that's where um a lot of this story kind of ties into um the ending of the story because you have to like you have to find a way to live. And Pi finds that way to live and like with the rest of his life and and the rest of his like story, basically, by taking what really happened, you know, which we can we can discuss thoroughly, like which which story we believe to be the true story um, and and putting this fictional story behind it because he can't, he doesn't want to live with knowing, like, you know, my entire family is dead. I watched my mom be murdered in front of me, you know, this kind of, this kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. Should we talk about the end? So let's yet, talk about or? the Marriott Island before we get there. Okay. Okay. Um, up until the island, I was fully in on every part of the story. Mm-hmm. And then it being believable and absolutely. Yes, yeah. And then he's talking about this island, and I had a really hard time picturing this island where there's trees and it's just everything is green, but there's no soil. Mm-hmm. And his description of it, it's basically like this very, very thick algae, algae. that's several layers deep, mm-hmm. but essentially everything is just floating. So mm-hmm. it's like a giant pool float, right? That's just algae and yep. trees, but then it's like fucking huge Mm -hmm. he was saying like miles and miles and miles of shore yeah which i i had a hard time with that but i feel like he said something like 20 square miles because like from one end to to the the other other, is several miles yeah like whatever yeah which that's fucking huge it's big to just be all floating out there i mean it's bigger than manhattan manhattan is only a few square miles like it's not you know it's not big (laughs) right so i had a hard time with that and then he gets up high enough and he sees all these fucking meerkats. And of all the animals that could have been there, it was meerkats. And yeah. I'm like, how the fuck did a meerkat get there? <laughs> like, how did one meerkat get how there? How did millions How did two meerkats get there yeah. that turned into millions? And yeah. I was like, what the fuck? And yeah. then talking about the ponds and the freshwater ponds and this weird phenomenon where these dead fish just kind of like float into the freshwater yeah. pond. And then the meerkats are like, food! And then... Yeah. Rah, 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 rah. The whole whole concept of it was kind of really far-fetched to me, but I'm like, maybe it's just something that exists in the Pacific Ocean that's, you know, we got a fucking island of garbage. Why could we yep. not have an island of algae? Right, exactly. Totally doable. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. 
And then it turns into that the island is carnivorous and he finds teeth inside these wrapped layers of leaves. And I'm like, yep. all right, now we're, we're, we're like so far into living in the middle of the ocean that we have gone psychotic. I think, I think <laughs> and we're hallucinating. Yes, like, I, that's how, that's kind of how I read it was just like, you know, I mean, how many days into this is, has he been, he's not drinking a lot. He's not eating a lot. Of course, you're going to start hallucinating and seeing things. Like, it's just like those people you hear about walking through deserts and then it's they an see oasis, an oasis. You which know is what essentially I mean? what this was. This is, this is what this was because he is on a, he's just floating on water with no green in sight. And then he sees something that's green and he's like, take me to it. You know what I mean? But I mean, it seemed to me like they were there, him and Richard Parker, for several days because no, Richard they were Parker, there for weeks. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Weeks. Because Richard Parker, you know, bolts back, back up. up. Tell me how, how, if, like, it took him that many weeks to figure out if, you know, obviously this, if this were true, that the water turned to acid and, like, the, the sea, the seaweed was, like. So it's because every night he was going onto the boat and Richard Parker was going onto the right. boat. There was the first night that Richard Parker comes fucking running like a bat out of hell mm-hmm. onto the boat and he and he's freaks like, out. He's like, let me call the whistle before he attacks me. Yeah. But I think that. He probably got freaking burned with the algae. Could be, yeah. Now, this is all me explaining the story that right. I don't believe anyways. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then the next time he he sleeps on the boat a whole bunch of nights, and then he decides he's going to live in a hammock in yep. the tree. So he sleeps in the hammock in the tree. So there's never a point in time at night where he's down on the ground and he realizes yeah. it's acid until all of a sudden he finds the fucking teeth, teeth. teeth yeah. fruit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's kind of where that story kind of dropped out for me a little bit. Like I I kind of like got a little bored at, at that point because I was just like, yeah, this is very unbelievable. Now we're so to me. far like, out there. It's, it's we're so far out there. Like, I mean, granted, I was this far into a story with a guy living on a fucking raft boat with right. a tiger. Agreed. So, agreed. Hundred percent. But 100%. that that he made a believable story to me because of how he was feeding and yes. watering and. These saline things that were turning the desalin, whatever the stills, the the water stills, like I just, yeah. could, I could picture all of that actually yeah. happening and that being part of the the inventory of stuff that's on the lifeboat to purposely help you, and right. like I could see it happening, all yeah. of it. That stuff, I'm sure, was. And then the island, yeah, fucking <laughs> like million meerkats. Well, and to, and the the other blind guy floating. Oh, remember the that whole part other too. Uh, the, the, the blindness in general was very weird to me, and I feel like of all the parts of the book that were adapted to have like a plausible explanation, I feel like the blindness was is something that could have been built into his story as a way of being like. Yeah, so this guy floated up, and then the tiger killed him, and then I had a bite. Yeah, I ate a bite. Yeah, I had. But to I was eat blind it. to it. Yeah, like, exactly. So that exactly. I I could kind of like let that slide, right? Like I fully believe that there was a guy that came as much as I believe any of us. I that there's a guy that floated up, which is fucking weird too. But well, and that's you know going towards the end of the book. That's where they talk about the other guy, you know, coming. Um, Basically, what they're saying, you know, is the guy didn't float towards to you like months into this thing. Like he was there with you the whole time or not the whole time, but certainly for some of the time. So um, should we talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about the ending. Um, 
So the, he eventually floats up to Mexico. Somewhere in Mexico, yes. Some, some weird remote place in Mexico. And before we actually get to the, the, the flipping end of the story, I want to read a whole section that really kind of summed up before. So it's on page 285 and the book is over 300 pages. So that it's 319. So it was... close to the end but not all the way at the end and it really kind of summed up the ending for me before i got to the ending um so they the lifeboat gets onto the to the sand (laughs) and basically the tiger just richard parker just jumps off yes then richard parker companion of my torment awful fierce thing that kept me alive moved forward and disappeared forever from my life Mm -hmm. and then he talks about where we can we must give things a meaningful shape for example i wonder could you tell my jumbled story in exactly 100 chapters not one more not one less which if i believe what i remembered is that it is exactly 100 chapters i'll tell you that's one thing i hate about my nickname the way that number runs on forever and I was like, ah, yes, you could buy stupid like that. Yep. It's important in life to conclude things properly. Only then can you let go. Otherwise, you are left with words you should have said but never did. And your heart is heavy with remorse. That bungled goodbye hurts me to this day. I wish so much that I had one last look at him in the lifeboat that I'd provoked him a little so that I was on his mind. I wish I had said to him then, yes, I know to a tiger, but still, I wish I had said, Richard Parker, it's over. We have survived. Can you believe it? I owe you more gratitude than I can express. I couldn't have done it without you. I would like to say it formally. Richard Parker, thank you. Thank you for saving my life. And now go where you must. You have known the confined freedom of a zoo most of your life. Now you will know the free confinement of a jungle. I wish you all of the best. And I was like, yeah, because I get that. Mm-hmm. Like, I like things tied up with a pretty bow. And I like a neat ending. And... I was sad as hell when all of a sudden the tiger was like, peace out, brother, and I'm gone. (laughs) And I was like, wait, he didn't even, like, turn around and give him, like, a twinkle of, like, and, like, (laughs) then run away. Like, that was immediately there. And then he just went right into talking about it. And that was right before um, two guys come down from the Japanese shipping company that they were on the the cargo ship for. Um, they come down from California basically to interview him to figure out why the ship sank. sank. Yep. And he tells, I think it's chapter 97. Okay, so the whole the whole ending of it, I really liked the way that it was written and the fact that it is an interview and it's English and it's two Japanese guys. And then every now and then there's bold words that in the recording were Japanese and then Pi had paid somebody to translate for him, which they're basically like, come on, man, what the fuck? I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, here, yeah, you can have my cookie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it is chapter 97 where the whole chapter is the story, like those two words. And then, so he tells the whole story that we just read. Yes. And they don't believe him. They say, you're fucking full of shit. There's no tiger that anybody's found in the jungle. There's no signs that a tiger is any that anybody has found in the jungle. Um, you know, whatever. There, There's no way this could have happened because, uh, you know, this, 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 and this, you know? Um, so the real story, like... You can't say the real story. I just, I'm not, like, I'm not, comfortable with it. I'm not going to say <laughs> it, but, like, I just, like, I just want... No, I mean, like, you can't say it's the real story. Well, for me, it clearly is the real story. You know, I mean, it is. It is, in my opinion. Because my thought is this. Like, he 
created this story in his mind because he couldn't, it was the way to cope with how things went on that boat. You know, the things that he saw, the things that he dealt with, the the nasty cook who was the hyena, you know, um, his mom, I think, was the orangutan or whatever. And, you know, her getting murdered and stuff like that by, by him. And then him like, you know, the cook, did, didn't he eat part of her or something like mm-hmm. that? And, you know, whatever. He, threw over, he barely ate hardly any of her. Yes. Yeah. And it's like clear, like... It, it is a way that people cope with things is just creating these stories. And, and for me, you know, like b- tying this whole thing back into religion, that's kind of the way that people cope with the way the world is because it, God has a plan. God, it, yeah. this is God's plan for me. You know, that's kind of how I, the, the way I see this kind of thing. And like he had 227 days on this boat to kind of be. And a lot of that was by himself. He murdered a man. You know what I mean? And, like, he's just kind of figuring out a way that he's going to live with himself for the rest of his life and to tell this story. And in the story, you don't realize it until the very end, but he is the the tiger. tiger. You know? Like, that's why the tiger doesn't say bye to him because the tiger is him. It is finally getting off that boat and running and being free and, like, enjoying the rest of its life and getting to enjoy the rest of its life like nobody else got to on that boat, you know? So, like, I don't know. It it depressed me when I read that because I was just like, you know, this whole time I'm reading this story, like, clearly... This could actually happen. This could have been... Of yeah. course, it, it could because, you know, you're talking about being on a ship with all these animals from a zoo. So, of course, that part is plausible. And then the other stuff happens and you're just like, this is getting a little bit more and more unbelievable as it goes on. What's the real thing behind this? And, and you know, then he's kind of forced into telling this story that, oh, you want to hear the real story or this is the story, you know, so. The story without animals. Right. Yes. And, you know, Pi clearly believes this story because I think he has to, you know, I think that's the, that's the only way he can cope for this awful, awful, awful tragedy that he endured for nearly a year of his life, mm-hmm. starving and, um, d- you know, dying of thirst and and just, like, sun constantly and, you know, rain when, I, you know, d- days of rain and you can't get away from that and, you know, water coming on you and constantly being soggy and wet. Like, I just can't. It's torture. It's a form of torture, yeah. you know? Like, there's a reason why people waterlog people for torture. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's awful. I had it. So, I... I could, obviously, the quote-unquote real story at the end, Mm -hmm. I think that my biggest complaint against it is that it was his mom, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I would be more apt to believe that it's the real story not that i don't believe that it's the real story but i don't want I think you just to don't want to believe, believe that yeah. it's the real story if it wasn't his mom mm-hmm. and i feel like if it was any other it could have been any other female but the fact that the whole story that he was that we read um was about you know he's going out onto the boat and it's tipping and it's after the loud noise and it's crappy weather and it's all this and it's all that and all that and he sees crew and then he gets in the lifeboat and there's the zebra and the, the blah, 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 all of that. The fact that the orangutan wasn't part of the story until, like, later on mm-hmm. and just, like, 
I don't know, picturing it his his being his mom that floats up on like a raft of bananas. Yeah, is just it, well, I'm sure she wasn't on a raft of bananas. I'm sure she was. How, on, why like, do you, why would buoy. it not be on a raft of bananas? I mean, it could have been like a crate of bananas that she came up on, but like bananas float. Yes, they do. <laughs> but all I'm saying is is this: like you have to look at it from from this kind of perspective, like. The Japanese guys at some point even ask, "Who would have? Who would have let the animals out? Who would have? Like, if a, a boat right. is sinking, right? You're not going to do that. The animals, right. you're going to let the animals die, and you're going to save right. people. But, if, and of all or the animals yourself. you're opening, you're not going to open a hyena no. and a tiger. Which no, 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 is no. Really exactly. Valid. So it's it's very much like there's no way that these were actually animals that got. Quick note: I just finished it last night, so I haven't really uh, digested I, I all of it. it. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I've had I've, clearly I've had like you know I think I really just don't want to so. believe <laughs> no you of course you don't want to believe it but at the same time you know he comes up with that story to tell them pretty quickly and easily and like you know and it's a sad awful awful story like I can't see that him making that story up the other right. one on the other hand he had several hundred days to come up to with. think about yeah that's true you know that's true so that's that's where and lots of paper to write it down exactly with. yes yeah he only he ran out of pen like pen ink before he ran yeah. out of paper i wonder if there's like a sequel because i would <sighs> i would like to see i mean we got little snippets of that with the italics of yeah. him further into the future um i honestly like i didn't catch that in the beginning until like until like it was a lot of them in there. yeah yeah yeah, and you know what? I also didn't realize that the author's note was par- actually part of the book, and I wish that I had really I noticed that. I don't think that. I read it at all. Um, I think because when it says author's note, <laughs> I just skip usually. Yeah, no, I know. So do I. So do I. And then I read something that was like um, the the author's note is part of part of the book. Oh, well, and you I'll have to go back and read that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Um, I but I would like to know if there's a sequel, just a I, of, of his life. In my in my like things that I have looked up, I have not seen okay. anything so about it, and it. I think okay. personally, I think that's kind of for the better. <laughs> yeah, he didn't look the way I would have nope. anticipated him not to at look all. at all. Um, but um, I I don't know, Katie. Like in the long run, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the book and the story itself. Um, it was an easy read. It was an e- it was an easy read, and it was actually like enjoyable, enjoyable, read, and yeah. more humorous than I would have anticipated it being. Yes. Which I think really it needed, yeah. you know, because it's such a devastating story. Mm-hmm. Um, we should so, watch the movie at some point. I think I think we should. We should do a screen sort of the movie um, and see if we have the same kind of feelings about the movie that we had while reading the book. Right. So. Um, Let's let's set a date for that at some point soon, okay. and then we can put a screen of out. Um, that's all I think that I have to say about that. Let me just double check and make sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all. That's all of my notes on it. You have anything else to say? Uh, not about life of pie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to our epilogue. Then. All right. The epilogue. Okay, so I before we go any further, I meant to talk about this in the prologue, and I didn't because I never read my notes until we get talking about the book, and I'm like, eh, fuck, should have said that. <laughs> um, so we had talked about multiple times going back and seeing how many of our books mention Alice in Wonderland. Um, so I went back through my notes to see how many there were, and I the the things that I noticed are there was no mention of Alice in Wonderland in any of our notes in my notes until after we read Alice in Wonderland. 
And then it was in Summer Sisters, Time Traveler's Wife, and Daisy Darker, where mm-hmm. I have an actual note about it. I think on The Hate You Give, I have a star on the top of my notes because I think that was what I did to mark in my notes that there was an Alice in Wonderland because we okay. talked about recording how or keeping track of how many there were. Yeah. But that was it, as I had three. And I was like, what the fuck? But then Cold Cold Bones, the one that I did read, yes. I just it sent you a picture of page one where it <laughs> mentions fucking Alice in Wonderland. And yeah. I was like, it's everywhere. Yeah. But yeah. it really isn't everywhere. But it seems like it is. I kind of, I mean, it's, it's certainly, in my opinion, the only book that I've seen mentioned several times in other books. That we're paying attention to anyways. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But like, I mean, it's just, it's just. Obviously, it's just a very recognizable yeah. story. Um, okay, so moving so, on. What's up next? Moving on to business, yes. Um, our next episode, which will come out um, hopefully two weeks from the day that this one is out, um, is Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. I'm looking forward to reading that. I've Aiden and John watched the movie like not too long ago, and they loved it. Um, and when I went to buy the book, I actually bought it from like a like a legit bookstore. Um, the as cashier to shady ones. Well, as opposed to like going on Amazon and <laughs> yeah. buying from Amazon, I'm trying to like do yeah. more of like you know either mm-hmm. small business or doing the Pango books. But you know it, it helps other people out. But um, uh, when I went up to to buy the book with the cashier, um, she was like, "Oh, I just read this and I loved it." And I mean, she was like, you know, a woman in her 60s, you know. So I'm honestly looking forward to reading it. I can't wait. So Steve, yeah. who um, helped design our graphics, uh, he said that he really liked it. Oh, good, so, good. I'm be, excited. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be interesting to read. Um, so if you want to hear about Ready Player One or any of our other books that we've gone through, um, you can subscribe, listen to us on Apple or Spotify. Um, you can follow us on socials, on Twitter, on Instagram, and hopefully I can get the TikTok back up and running <laughs> at To Be Red Pod. And um, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Comment on our stuff. Email us at toberedpodcast at gmail.com. We love getting messages like, when is the podcast coming back? Yes, yes. Which I happened to get today from my cousin Holly That's basically was just like, hey, somebody misses us. We have a fan. We have a fan. We have people that want to hear us, and I, and I love that. And uh um, so yeah, find us there and, um, just remember to, um, what, how do we finish this, Katie? I don't even remember, honestly. Join us next time. Join us next time! <laughs> we make your To Be Read pile one book shorter. Yay! <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. To Be Read is hosted by Sarah Westcott and Katie Willey. Produced, edited, and mixed by Chris Turrow. Logo concept art by Rhiannon Kenfield. Graphic design by Steve Pius. Theme song, Read oh, to Me, written and performed by Austin Maffa. Oh,